Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer. And today we're talking about the California recall and a new poll that contains some very good news for the object of that recall, Governor Gavin Newsom. We're also talking a lot about the man who is far and away the leading candidate to replace Newsom should he be recalled. That is conservative talk show host Larry Elder. We would like to welcome listeners of the Fifth Admission podcast today. Welcome. Uh, but before we get started, for some of our new listeners, I wanted to tell you that, uh, or perhaps warn you, that whenever we talk about the recall, we call it a total recall edition. And we start by talking in our very hacky Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. I'll be back. Ha! You did not gonna say that, did you? That's what you always say. I apologize in advance to the former governor. And so here's our conversation about the California recall. Welcome to another edition of the Total Recall Podcast with our guests. They're blowing up the boxes in Sacramento. That's Alexei Kosev and Dustin Gardner. Alexei just named the 100th most powerful man in Sacramento by the Capital Weekly. Alexei, how much can you bench press if you're so powerful? I don't think I've even tried since my high school gym class where we had to go to the weight room. So truly, I have, I don't know, probably not that much. <laughs> All righty. That's, that's enough Arnold for, for today. Right, does anyone else want to contribute their Arnold? No, I, I, that was very good. I'm I'm impressed, Joe. How much were you practicing since I, our last I, I, podcast? I'll be I'll be real. I I spent a little shower time with the with the, I did a little, little shower, <laughs> little Arnold in the shower. Of course yes, you yes. did, <laughs> but that's but that's not unusual. Um, okay, now we have uh, back to semi serious stuff. We have a uh, we have a new poll out, a, a brand new poll from the Public Policy Institute of California, California. And it is decidedly California. California. It is decidedly good news for Gavin Newsom. Now we have two weeks, less than two weeks to go before our September 14th uh, recall election date. The survey found that essentially this campaign is falling short uh, to recall Newsom. It found that 58% of likely voters oppose removing Newsom, while 39% want to boot him from office. And uh, that level of supports remained uh, pretty much uh, unchanged since March, at least from this pollster, which is one of the more respected ones in California. Uh, it found uh, that the, the recall backers haven't expanded far beyond the core of Republican voters in California. It, it breaks down like many things do these days along partisan lines. Uh, 90% of likely Democratic voters oppose it, the recall. Uh, most likely Republican voters, 82%, say they want Newsom out. And 44% of independent voters want to recall Newsom, while 49% oppose. That's a lot of numbers. Alexi, what did, when you look at this, uh, this poll, what, what did you pull from it? Yeah, I mean, to me, those numbers are, are not that surprising um, based on reporting that I've been doing 
you know, talking to voters around the state, I would say it's very rare that I've come across a Democrat who wanted to recall Newsom or a Republican who didn't want to recall Newsom. And certainly that very much reiterates your point about what a partisan process This has been, despite assurances from recall supporters that they have this very broad ideological base of support. And, you know, I think as we get toward, you know, now just a few weeks away from the from the actual election date and people are hearing more news about it, actually have their ballots in front of them and and are really plugged in. You know, you're starting to see the poll numbers reflect the fact that at the end of the day, this large ideological majority in the state is behind the governor that they elected just three years ago. Does this? Do you guys get the sense that the uh, that the enthusiasm gap that we've talked about, written about, uh, that uh, between Republicans and Democrats, Republicans being much more enthusiastic to recall Newsom than Democrats have been to keep him? Do you sense that that is closing? Yeah, I mean, I think these numbers do show that Democrats are a lot more enthusiastic than they might have been, you know, maybe a few months ago. And it seems like, you know, the cavalry has really come in for the governor. I mean, you have big national name Democrats, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders. They both cut ads for the governor. You have a lot of uh, progressive celebrities from uh, Paula (laughs) Abdul to Sarah Silverman coming in for the governor. Um, So it's yeah, I mean, Democrats across the country have really kind of started to rally their base for the governor. And I think that is shoring up his number statewide. Um, and then, you know, in addition to that, I mean, we always knew the governor was going to have a huge advantage in terms of money. He's raised more than he did in his last run for governor um, it, with this recall and his 2022 um, campaign committee. And so, I mean, I think it, yeah, it reflects what the, you know, kind of the forces we saw coalescing around the governor influencing those numbers. You know, I think even more significantly too, you know, Something that the Democrats skipped doing in 2020 was a ground game, and they're not making that mistake this time around. They are out there knocking on doors and telling people, hey, you've got a ballot that's come in the mail. Fill it out. It'll take you two minutes and then just pop it back in the mail. You don't even need a stamp for it. And so, you know, we can see that people are listening. Millions of ballots are already getting returned. And um, and those numbers appear to be even at a pace that's slightly ahead of the early returns for the November election. So um, certainly people are getting, you know, now that this thing is real, now that there's actually something in their hands and they can take action, you know, it doesn't matter how excited they are. They're acting on it. Uh, the The poll showed that I think roughly half of the people who responded to this were uh, not into any of the replacement candidates, but the person who is getting the most attention, uh, both from the media and from from voters, is Larry Elder, the conservative talk show host. But even he, according to this uh, Public Policy Institute poll, is only getting twenty seven percent of support. And uh, the Newsom campaign is focused a lot on him. They talk about his his uh, very strong opposition to abortion. Uh, we just heard news in the last uh, 24 hours before uh, recording this about a very new uh, a new law in Texas that will be extremely uh, restrictive on abortion. 
And uh, Dustin, you were you were listening to Elder talk today about uh, about that law and and uh, what what did he have to say about that and about abortion in general? Because that's he's been tagged as uh, as is with that with that issue all the time. Yes, I was on a press conference this morning where Elder was asked about that, and you know he he addressed it very head on, and he said he is very very much you know anti abortion, pro life, and he you know he he would he opposes Roe v Wade, and he would want to see that overturned. But practically speaking, he said you know that even if he were to be governor. Um, it, it, if that somehow happened, that he doesn't think the law in California would change anytime soon. In fact, he said there's zero chance it would change with a two-thirds majority of Democrats in the state legislature. And, you know, he even went a little bit further saying that even if he wins, um, abortion will still be available pretty much on demand, um, as he said, in California. And it's, I thought that was interesting because he's not really, he's not trying to shy away from his views, but he's trying to very, I guess, practically tell voters, even if I when don't worry there are a lot of progressive things about california that will stay yeah that was i i, I was listening to that too it found that a bit, bit of an odd strategy uh but i i guess that it's telling us that 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 those messaging from the news and campaign is is resonating at some level with voters where else is larry eldis out of step with california in a lot of other ways too dustin he's you know he, he doesn't want a minimum wage like zero minimum wage not even freezing the minimum wage uh, he uh, doesn't think that uh, racism and sexism are big things. He said these are not obstacles uh, to people. He uh, has made uh, numerous comments about uh, women that are very misogynistic. Uh, he, he has in the past, in the not too distant past, he said climate change is a crock. What else, what else do we know about Larry Elder and where he's coming from? You've, you've done some reporting on him. Yeah, I mean, bottom line, Larry Elder has given the Newsom campaign a very effective foil headed into the the last part of this race. They found someone they can really point to that say that they can say is a Trump like candidate. Um, and I mean, really, almost on every issue, Larry Elder is is very far right of where most voters in the state are. Um, for example, I had a story uh, over the weekend about his views on undocumented immigrants and on immigration in general. Um, and you know, he supports Trump's view of wanting to repeal birthright citizenship so the the children of undocumented immigrants born in the country cannot cannot stay here legally uh, but he's gone even farther than some of Trump's views for example in a column that he wrote back in in 2010 um, Elder argued that undocumented people should not have any access to public benefits, including emergency medical care, um, schooling for their children. Um, and there's no indication that Elder has changed his view on that issue. Um, and then, you know, he's taken a lot of flack for his views on women, especially. That's probably been the biggest critique. Um, and, and the issue that his opponents have really seized on is his stance on um, pregnancy discrimination in the workplace. Elder has doubled down on that. He believes that an employer ha should have the right, legally speaking, to ask a woman whether they intend to have children because it could affect the, the business's bottom line in terms of whether that woman takes leave from the job to, you know, go be with her baby. Um, so again, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of views he has that just really are sort of out of the mainstream, especially in a deep blue state. We'll be back with more of our conversation about the California recall campaign against Gavin Newsom after this short break. And now, here's more of our conversation with Alexei Kossoff and Dustin Gardner about the recall campaign against California Governor Gavin Newsom. Elder at this press conference today said, well, you know, it doesn't really matter what I say because the Democratic supermajority exists and then, you know, 
but but Dustin, if if Larry Elder or really any of these Republicans were to be elected, what would happen in Sacramento? What what's what's how would that dynamic play out? The Democrats, as we said, have a super majority there. Uh, what can a Republican governor do with that? Yeah, I mean, I I think you know, it, it, realistically speaking, there's a lot the governor couldn't do um, because there is that two thirds majority. But also, I mean, I think that's kind of a simplistic way of looking at it because, um, again, the governor has a lot of broad powers. I mean, in terms of the abortion issue, the governor oversees the public health system in the state, and there's a lot of policies um, and appointments that that could affect just the quality of reproductive care women have, and in the issue more broadly. Even even if you know abortion isn't somehow outlawed in the state, Alexei, where, how else would Sacramento change if, if we had a Republican governor and a, a Democratic uh, legislature? You know, it's it's sort of hard to say exactly what that dynamic would look like because California hasn't had a Republican governor in more than a decade, and the last time they did, the legislature, the balance of power in the legislature was much closer. You know, and and it was also. Sacramento kind of at some of the most dysfunctional that it's ever been under, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting, fighting with the legislature over budgets and all kinds of things like that. So, you know, you would have a completely sort of different dynamic here with this more than two thirds control in both houses. They could do pretty much whatever they wanted if they wanted to. And it's a question of whether or not they would flex that power because, you know, it's been decades since there's been any le- legislative overrides of a governor's veto. You know, it's been um, a long time since, you know, you've had that kind of power struggle to to compare it to. I mean, you look to other states where you have a legislature that's firmly in control of one party and a uh, a governor of an, the other party gets unexpectedly elected. And mostly that's been places like Wisconsin or North Carolina, where you've had de- uh, Democratic governors unexpectedly elected facing two thirds control uh, Republican legislatures. And they have taken all kinds of steps to limit the power of the governor to strip their duties and and make it so that they can't change things. So it's very possible that we could see Democrats here in California, try and pull moves like that, you know, but just as Dustin points out, there's only so much you can do on the regulatory side when there's certain things that, you know, governors just have control of it in terms of appointments, judgeships, you know, and, and, and all kinds of decisions like that about, um, you know, how to pull the levers of power behind the scenes. I was, uh, I've been hearing a lot, uh, more than any election I can remember, hearing from voters, uh, both uh, you know, contact me directly or people I see on the street or whatever and saying, you know, who should I vote for? I'm a, I'm a Democrat or a, or a left-leaning independent. I don't, uh, the Newsom campaign has been telling uh, voters, vote no on the recall, but leave the second part blank. And uh, they say, who, who should I vote for? I don't, I don't want to leave the second part blank. That just seems weird. That seems uh, you know, like I'm not doing my duty as a citizen. So I put that question to about a dozen uh, uh, Democratic strategists in California. Uh, and uh, after, of course, granting them anonymity so they could speak freely and, and, and not uh, kiss off potential future business, <laughs> they, they uh, came back with a near uh, unanimous verdict and people said, Kevin Faulkner, the former 
uh, mayor of San Diego, a Republican who was a mayor in a Democratic uh, majority city, Democratic city council. Now, these weren't these weren't endorsements. They would say stuff like, well, he's not going to burn the place down or he's the least offensive or he at least he knows what he's doing. He's worked with Democrats. He knows how the machinations of government work, et cetera, et cetera. But you, you look at this this survey that came out today and Elder is the only person uh, doing uh, getting any kind of support. Um, you know, th- these other folks, Faulkner, 5%, John Cox, uh, I think 3%, Kevin Kiley, uh, Assemblyman from uh, Placer County, uh, uh, 3%, uh, our, our friend Caitlyn Jenner, 1%. What, why have these other Republicans not caught on where Elder has? When you look at a survey like that, and you sort of assume that Democrats or Democratic-leading voters make up about 60% of the electorate in California, then you start to break down the numbers, and that 27% that Larry Elder has is eating up about three-quarters of the Republican-leaning voters in the state, right, which doesn't leave a whole lot of room for everybody else. And as much as those Democratic consultants you talk to may think that Kevin Faulkner is, you know, the choice, that's a very sort of political chattering class type of opinion to have. Your average Democratic voter is more partisan. They're they're probably not gonna, you know, um, look past the party label. They're they're looking at the handful of kind of no name Democrats who are on the ballot and trying to pick between them. I actually had a very interesting conversation last week in the Capitol with a lawmaker while I was waiting for a hearing to start. And we were talking and he was freaking out. He didn't know what to do on question two. And he said to me that like he also was thinking about should he vote for Kevin Faulkner and then every time he watched him in debates he just couldn't stomach doing it because he didn't feel like there was a single thing that Kevin Faulkner ever said that was you know an olive branch reaching out to to Democrats to say I would be with you. And so he was going to try and figure out who from among the remaining, he, he knew he wouldn't vote for Kevin Paffrath, you know, the, the, the YouTuber, um, that that was off the table, but he was saying like, I will not vote for nobody. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to follow that piece of advice from the Newsom campaign. And so he was really struggling with what to do. Um, I think there's a lot of voters who are like that. They just, they cannot bring themselves to vote, you know, for someone who's not a Democrat and, you know, and, and so what you've got is a 50% of people clueless about what to do. When I think the other thing playing out too, is the Newsom campaign and Democrats have so strongly pressed this idea of just skip the second question. And that really seems to have resonated. I mean, it seems like a lot of progressives are taking that advice without question. Um, and so for someone like Faulkner, you know, it's, he might've been hoping to pick up Democrats and, you know, in democratic leading independence. And even if he doesn't think he can win this time, he might've been hoping that he would have a stronger than expected showing to give him some sort of justification to run in 2022, perhaps. But again, Democrats have really sort of frozen anyone out from picking up more of their votes in all this. The Public Policy Institute survey found that of the no voters on the recall, 40% say they wouldn't vote on a replacement candidate and 26% remain unsure of, of who they like on this. It's a uh, it's a it's a weird dynamic. Uh, I want to also talk about um, there's a there's a firm in Sacramento called Political Data. 
They are monitoring all of the ballots that are being returned across California. They're breaking them down by party. Uh, they're breaking them down by the ethnicity and race of the voter. Alexi, what have you found in those? And, and what do they tell us uh, about the votes that have been in so far? Yeah, so what the early returns are showing is that um, already several million people have returned their ballots. You know, we're looking at turnout, you know, two two weeks ahead of the election, turnout that's already topping 20%. So it'll be very interesting to see how high that might ultimately go. Um, but certainly, you know, will not be among the lowest we've ever seen in California. And um, the... Uh, the ballots that have come in so far overwhelmingly from Democrats over the last couple of years, especially in the Trump era, we've seen this radical shift in voting patterns. You know, uh, absentee ballots used to be something that older, more conservative voters really relied on and Democrats would have to turn out sort of these uh, you know, maybe more unreliable voters right at the end of an election to get them to the polls. And Trump has really cast doubt on mail ballots as Democratic states like California have massively expanded their use. And so in uh, in these first couple of weeks of returns now, Democrats are completely outpacing their share of the electorate in terms of the ballots that are coming in. That's no guarantee of Newsom holding on. But as we discussed, this is a pretty partisan um, election, you know, by all polling and interviews that I've done and everything. I mean, in all likelihood, the vast, vast majority of those Democratic voters are voting no on the recall. And so it's a really good sign early on for Democrats that the votes that are coming in are probably on their side. The, one, of the, one of the most uh, baffling uh, twists in this, the poll that came out today was that 53% of likely voters approved of the way Newsom is doing his job, which is roughly the same level of support he's had since he had in February 2020. But at the same time, 42% of likely voters think California's in some degree of recession, which that just, I mean, and I talked to Mark Baldessari, the head of the, the Public Policy Institute, the pollster did this, and he said that just shows the, the level of, of uh, polarity in, in our electorate, uh, how partisan we are. If you're a Democrat, you like Democrats. If you're a Republican, you like Republicans. I mean, it was baffling. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that number is astounding. I mean, given the level of GDP growth we've had in, in this state over the last year, I mean, the economy's boomed here. And that's obviously, you know, shown by the massive nearly $80 billion state budget surplus that we had. But for some, you know, for all the reasons that we've talked about in this campaign, from homelessness to crime to wildfires, there's a sense of malaise that's really, you know, potent on the right with Republicans, despite how their, you know, their bank account might be doing. And in addition to uh, uh, your your fine work in Sacramento, you guys have also been uh, covering some of the fires here in, in California, the wildfires um, that are now threatening uh, the region around Lake Tahoe, destroying a lot of it. It's 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 heartbreaking to anyone who who's been there and goes there and and loves that part of the state. Politically, Dustin, how does this affect Newsom? Does the wildfires and his handling of it, does this does this have any bearing on this race? Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to a political scientist the other day, and his thought was if there really is one major wild card left in this race, given Newsom seems to be on a little bit stronger footing than he was um, earlier in the summer, it, it would be the wildfire season. You know, uh, the Calder fire is racing towards South Lake Tahoe. You know, all the images of Tahoe being covered in ash this just really pristine place that people associate with 
California and, and all the natural beauty we have in the state, seeing those sort of images, you know, this political scientist said that's sort of the sort of thing that could be the wild card to push people against Newsom. And the governor has not faced a lot of scrutiny about this in the last, you know, week, couple of weeks. But earlier in the summer, there was a lot of, of negative news coming out about his handling of wildfires, in particular, um, Cap Radio, the NPR affiliate in Sacramento. They they broke a story showing that his, his administration had dramatically over stated the amount of acreage that had been treated um, to, to clear brush that would make it more susceptible to fires. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to watch in this last bit how much his opponents try to, to seize on the imagery coming out of the northern part of the state and emphasize that story, which might have, you know, kind of um, dipped out of their radar a little bit as voters are getting their ballots. I think one thing, though, that is, you know, a real uphill battle for Republicans on using this as a, as a wedge issue against Newsom is that his his administration has been very effective over the last couple of years when they had Trump as a foil of using the wildfires uh, as a way to sort of boost Newsom's image, you know, as the one who was out there, uh, you know, leading the state through these record-breaking wildfire seasons, despite the fact that most of the land, forest land that's burning in California is federally controlled, and you know he would make these very dramatic requests for more money and thing and help and things like that. So I think it's another thing that, in its way, has been politicized. There's a partisan divide. I think a lot of Democrats, you know, see Newsom as a leader on this rather than somebody who has failed in his duties. And, you know, it may not be something where, you know, recall supporters are ultimately able to gain traction. Gentlemen, we're, we're down to the wire. Two more weeks to the recall. And I think the best news about that is uh, two more weeks where I can do my hacky Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. <laughs> I know I know you'll be I, you'll yes, be please. You'll, you'll be you are too or probably be most relieved when the recall is over for that very reason. <laughs> I say farewell no, to you now <laughs> because it's all political. <laughs> But Dustin, you, Dustin, Alexi, thank you for being here. Go ahead. What, what do you want to say? No, no, I just say, like, I'll be back. I hope. I'll be back. Very good. Look at you. <laughs> I, you've had a little shower time. I can tell. You, you very well nicely, done. very nicely done. I'll give you, I give it to you for that. All right, boys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Take care, Joe. I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank Alexi and Dustin for being here today. I'd like to thank Alexi for his swing at the Arnold impersonation. Very impressive. I'd like to thank Dea Francesca Price for producing today's episode. Always, we'd always like to throw out some love for our theme music. That song you're listening to is called Cattle Call, and it was written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow Song. And remember, no matter whether your poll numbers are up or down, it's all political. <laughs>